Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about personal financial tools. Uh, These are tools that you use on a day-to-day basis, probably already, but uh, there are different elements that uh, we think that you should think about, um, especially as you're trying to track your finances, whether it relates to budgeting, forecasting into the future, different tools and calculators in that regard, asset allocation, tracking your net worth, uh, and even tracking your credit score over time. These are all important elements, but we're, we're definitely going to be chatting about uh, some things to think about. Maybe not necessarily every app that's out there because there's so many and that would just be an endless podcast. But this one, it's really about understanding what is it that you should look for in each type of tool. With that framing out of the way, Lauren, anything else that you wanted to share before we dive in? No, I think you covered it very well. Awesome. Awesome. So maybe we start with the most probably needed or potentially wide, uh, most used tool, which I think is uh, the budgeting side of things. And, um, you know, what are some things that you think about when you want to select a tool for budgeting? Yeah, good question. So, um, so I guess we talk, maybe take a step back a little bit about like what, what is budgeting and, um, way that I think of budgeting is really just kind of creating a, a a framework for helping you make decisions and prioritize, you know, your expenses or things that you spend money on. Um, and so I think a budgeting tool allows you to, you know, basically set kind of goals and i guess when i say goals it's kind of like target amounts of money that you want to spend um in different kind of categories um and that is flexible enough to allow you to kind of set you know um create the categories that make sense to you i think you know um some some people really you know might enjoy having 50 different categories for every different thing and some people just you know get better go um are better off with just a handful. And so something that has that flexibility to, to do what makes sense for you, I think is really important. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately it's important. It's about being able to really track your expenses um, between those different categories and then kind of set, set target amounts um, or essentially maximum amounts that you want to spend in each category. But also I think it's really important that this tool allows you to kind of, um, make make changes in real time so if you overspend in one category you know understanding where that money is coming from and allowing you to kind of move money from a different category over to to cover that over over expenses gotcha gotcha and just to for those who haven't already listened we have done uh, a living below your means episode uh, which is episode three where we we do a little bit of a, a deeper dive on on budgeting and, and why it's important and uh, so if you haven't already definitely go check that out uh, after this episode but um, yeah returning to uh, some important features that a budgeting uh, software tool has. I mean, where where do you start out? Like, what is what is the most important that you think? And then, um, are there any maybe examples of tools out there that that you really like? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, a budgeting tool has to be easy to use. It has to be convenient because if it's neither of those, you're not going to use it. Um, and I think a budgeting tool is only useful if you actually use it and, and keep track of your expenses in real time. And that sounds basic, but, you know, it's not, I, I don't think a budgeting tool is something where, you know, you enter your expenses once a month in, right? It doesn't give you any opportunity to kind of uh, track your progress and make any potential adjustments. So it needs to be something where you can, you know, enter your expenses. Ideally, like at least at the end of the day, every day you have an expense, enter it. Um, but so I think the most, um, the more convenient, the better. So I think something that has the ability to do that, um, probably using your phone, right, is, is something that people often have with them. So if you have your phone, if they have a mobile app, being able to enter an expense immediately after you've incurred the expense, I think is really important because oftentimes if you don't, for me at least, if I don't do it right then and there, I'm not going to remember to do it later that day or, or tomorrow or the next day. Um and then kind of related to that, I think some some of the better budgeting tools, they will also, you know, kind of can can integrate with your bank or credit card. And so that if you either forget to enter an expense or maybe you have a typo in the expense, it will kind of uh, automatically kind of sync and update. So so that you're at least uh, you're making sure that, you know, even if you forget to enter an expense, when when that expense kind of comes in on your bank account, it will sink over and you won't miss it. So I think that's that's also really important. So um, so yeah, I think ease of use is just really important. So you can kind of do it in real time. And if, because if you don't do it in real time, I think it's its utility is uh, it's not, not nearly as good. And along those lines, um, I think you might have mentioned this, but how often are you checking this tool? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, you know, I think if, um, you know, I think it's, it depends on how often you want to use it. I, ideally, uh, again, um, it, if the tool tells you how much you have left in a category when you, when you enter an expense into that category, you don't really have to go out of your way to check it. So, um, like I, I, my wife and I use, you need a budget. And when you enter a transaction into a category, it just automatically tells you how much you have left in that category. Um, as soon as you open the app, the very first screen kind of shows you the high level kind of amounts that you have in each category. So without even like doing anything, you can kind of see. So I think, um, I think, that is just a good way to be able to to not have to go out of my way. So I rarely necessarily go and check how much I have in it, but just by nature of, you know, probably making a purchase every day or two, I have a good idea of how much is left in kind of the the, the, the main categories that we really kind of have control over without having to, you know, actually go out of my way to check it. Yeah, and this one, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, maybe January uh, when when people, you know, new, new year, people are setting a lot of goals. Maybe weight loss is one of them, getting back to the gym, um, and then maybe it's budgeting and, and getting more on track. Uh, yeah, what, 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 what are some ways to be sustainable uh, in, in this change, because too often I have found that I've talked to clients and they've said, oh, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried them all, and I haven't had much luck, and that's why I'm talking to you uh, in, in some cases. And so 
you know, is there, is there a way to approach this in a sustainable way where you're not having to check it every single day or, or maybe is it out, out the gate where you set things up and you get things squared away. And then over time, as you, as you're talking about, maybe it's, you're not checking, you just kind of know, uh, what those balances are, are going to be or kind of look like, or you can kind of feel because you've done it so much. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think, you know, one of the keys is to like, again, when you start out, don't have too many categories. I think that can be a, that can kind of be paralyzing. If you're trying to enter an expense and you have so many categories and you can't remember which is the right one or, um, and so, and also, I mean, there are, to be honest, there are types of things that are a little bit challenging. I think it's, um, an example is some stores like, like Target or Amazon or Walmart, where they sell kind of like everything, right? They have groceries, they have, you know, home decor, they have electronics, they have everything in there. And so, you know, I think not, not trying to be extremely detailed and try to split, uh, you know, if you make, if you made one purchase at Walmart and try not to like split and allocate $23 was to groceries and $15 were to whatever. I think that type of thing, just adding all that work for yourself can be really hard. So, you know, if you can create a category that just kind of encompasses, you know, like, so I'll, so I'll tell you what the categories the wife and I use that the, the, pretty much the primary category that we actually look at and control is just, it's kind of just like, we call it fun food, drinks, entertainment. It's really just like any kind of non kind of, critical monthly expense it includes you know uh, going out to restaurants but it also includes groceries it includes buying things that we buy for the home so everything that we buy on amazon everything we buy at target everything we buy um, so it's quite simple um you know obviously the trade-off is we don't exactly see how much we're spending eating out versus at the grocery store or you know buying it on amazon but it's really the, the thing that we really can control over whereas many of the other categories we have are kind of just recurring monthly expenses or things like utilities where, you know, we're not, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard to kind of cut back on those types of categories. So I think the fewer categories that you can have in terms of the categories that you can actually control and you want to track in real time every month, I think, I think the better, I think that's a, a kind of a good tip to start with. Um, I th what was the other one? And I think another good tip that really helps is again, if, um, you know, if your tool will automatically import transactions, like you could, you could just rely on that, you know, that, that is an option, but you're always going to be, there's usually a couple day delay, right. Until like a, a credit card purchase gets finalized. And that, that's, that's better than nothing. Um, obviously I think if you do things in real time, you can you know, just have a little bit, you give yourself a more time to react. And so if you want to be able to enter transactions in real time, one tip that I've, uh, been using is most credit cards, like will have the option of sending you an email or a text message alert every time you make a transaction. And just, uh, that's really nice because it gives you the details of that transaction. So it'll tell you the amount and the place that you purchased it at. So, you know, um, if you're not someone that remembers to get receipts or, you know, sometimes you check out on, you know, somewhere where they don't offer you a, a paper receipt by default, you can uh, quickly forget exactly how much it was and so when you get a text message with the amount that you spent at the grocery store it makes it really easy for you to to enter that later um so that's kind of something that always helps us remember to enter transactions as well 
Well, that's great. What what uh, credit card or, or application sends you? Is this in through uh, you need a budget? Um, actually, no, it's not. It's actually uh, like Visa itself. Just if you go to Visa Alerts or Visa.com, it, I mean, if you have a Visa credit card or debit card, um, I assume MasterCard offers that as well. So yeah, a couple options. You can go directly to your credit card provider's website. They'll often have like an alert section. You might have to like set a setting, you know, send me alert when I spend more than X. And usually you can set X to a dollar or a penny or something like that. Um, but then also Visa offers a service too. So if you have a Visa credit card, no matter who the issuer is, you can create an account there, enter your credit card number, and they will send you a text message every time you get a um, make a purchase there. So a couple of different options um, there. I mean, and also presumably if you have the mobile app of the credit card or debit card company, there might be an option to get like a, a push notification every time you make a, you make a transaction or purchase. Um, but yeah, I think the more mm-hmm. that you can get a real-time alert of a purchase the better because that will usually have the amount um the tricky thing is is usually if you're you know eating at a restaurant or a place where they swipe your card first and then there's an opportunity to leave a tip later you'll, you'll get a notification it'll include you know the amount but before the tip so you kind of have to you that's the only time that you kind of have to remember what the final total is but again like it's one of those things where if you just enter something and it's close you can always fix it later and at least you know the whole point is to get a rough idea of how much you have left to spend in a category and if you're off by five or ten dollars it's probably not gonna make a difference um yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. got it and uh is this a a story of, of chicken or egg do you set the budget first and then uh or do you do you just see what spending happens and then you set the budget how do you go about that yeah that's a good question i mean you can come at it from a different ways and ultimately it might be kind of a compromise between the two ways right you can look at if you if you have certain savings goals like you want to save you know whatever x dollars a month you want to save a thousand dollars a month well if you know how much money you take home every month then you know then you know then you can just figure out how much you can you can spend um so that's one way to do it is just if you have a goal of saving the other way is yeah obviously knowing what you do spend like obviously if uh you know, you spend uh, $2,000 a month and you realize you can only spend 1000 well, you're probably not going to be able to reduce your spending by half in one month. So you're going to have to be aware of what you're at now. So, um, yeah, I'd kind of look at both of those things. Like, you know, what is your kind of ideal spending amount based on your savings goals and what do you spend now? And then, you know, I think it's one of those things where, small steps is really important so you know maybe just maybe for the first month don't even set a goal or, or set your target much higher than you really need and just get in the habit of entering transactions right like kind of you know reduce the friction so just kind of enter transaction get in the habit of like building that muscle before you start having to like make decisions and, and change your behavior based on that so um and then I think it's always easier to kind of lower your transactions amount and then later, yeah, set set kind of goals that are are realistic and um, reasonable because I think kind of like things like dieting, people tend to o- o- overshoot and be too ambitious and then kind of fail. So set yourself up for success. Just you know, um, set a set a goal that you can achieve, and then it's much easier to to kind of update that goal every month. So if you have a category of eating out and you know you want to get it down to whatever 
$300 a month, but you're currently at 500, well, you know, make it, make the next month four, 475 and then the next month 450 and give yourself a long time to kind of get there. And I think you're going to be a lot more successful that way. Yeah. And speaking of, of, you know, sustainability and, um, you know, just staying on track, I'm sure you've, you've gotten to the point too, it's at some point in time where you've overspent in a, sp- a specific category in one month or another. How do you take that? What, what sort of things are you saying to yourself, your internal dialogue as, as you see this, or maybe this uh, purchase had put you a little bit over and you get a notification? Because uh, often I see clients come in and they say, uh, you know, I set all these, these different budgets and it was just so annoying that I would just keep getting reminders of how I overspent and it was just snowballed and I just turned it all off and, and just kind of walked away from it. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that is definitely something that the tool has to help you with because that's totally normal, right? Like people overspend in categories all the time. We overspend in categories all the time and that's that's not a bad thing and you shouldn't be punished for that. I think the tool that you use should help you deal with it, right? And how you deal with it is you basically have to choose um, what where that money is coming from, right? It, it's, um, it's either coming from another category or it's essentially coming from, um, you know, less money that you're contributing to your savings account that month, or it's coming to, or it's, or it's, you know, increasing the balance of your credit card that you're not paying off essentially, right? It, It has to show you and communicate to you like what the cost of that is. And if it's not doing that, well, that's a real problem, right? So I think that's, that's number one thing is it, it just, you need it needs to provide you that information and that ability to kind of decide where that money's come from because it comes from somewhere right you, you may not quite see it in some tools where it's coming from but it's certainly coming from somewhere um so i think any the tool should make it easy for you to decide where that should come from and for us typically that will come from another category such as like you know we tend to use kind of a, a the travel category as sort of like a kind of a a pool of money that especially if we don't have it yeah kind of if we don't have like an upcoming travel plans uh we'll just we put money aside every month for travel but if we overspend in kind of our primary category we'll just kind of take it from there and then we'll punish it later um so but yeah i think it just it's important that it communicates to you that there is obviously a finite amount of money and that it has to come from somewhere but it should make it easy for you to do that because that's you know totally expected and totally normal um and yeah it shouldn't bother you or annoy you when that happens got it now that's super helpful so just as a recap uh you know find a tool that's that's flexible that's easy to use that's approachable uh that can integrate potentially with your bank accounts and kind of link your accounts up and almost automatically start to categorize some of those uh, spending. Um, And then make sure that you, you know, are just having good hygiene in general where you're, uh, you know, logging in uh, frequently and and just kind of reviewing the transactions, even if the the tool itself automatically categorizes it for you. Um, and then with the, you need a budget, you're able to, to very, you know, give those each dollar a job with, with, uh, with that tool. Um, so, uh, very good. So, so YNAB, uh, you mentioned Mint, uh, maybe being one of, probably one of the earlier tools and, and most popular tools that a lot, a lot of folks might have some familiarity with. Um, there's also, uh, a, a, a 
company called Monarch Money, which I think is from one of the founders of, of Mint, uh, uh, you know, kind of spun off and, and created Monarch Money. Uh, of course, I've got QuickBooks, uh, just a quick aside for those business owners. You know, QuickBooks is great in that uh, it, it allows you to um, link your accounts and then it'll, it'll download from year to date. A lot of these tools that I've used in the past, they kind of only limit you to the last three months, but, but QuickBooks allows you to go all the way back to uh, – you know, beginning of, of the year. And uh, my, my first tip for those that business business owners is to start this at the beginning of the year and not in September, which is when I'm, uh, I had integrated my QuickBooks. So I had to go through, uh, but the good news is they're able to kind of show you um, and, and have uh, rules and you can set up rules. So any past and future transaction that resembles the same, uh, and it's a recurring transaction, uh, that, that really cuts down a lot of the work that you can just set a rule ahead of time. The other cool thing is that it also has, um, estimated taxes, uh, built in there for, for depending on the tier that you select. So it can do an automatic calculation for you to say, Hey, this is what, how much you're going to owe based off all of the, uh, revenues, uh, and expenses coming out in and out. And so, uh, this, you know how much you need to write a check to the IRS or maybe your state uh, for, and it also helps facilitate that for you as well. Um, uh, so pretty, pretty cool, pretty nifty stuff. But yeah, it's it's a matter of uh, yeah, again just having good hygiene, just going in there, not being too uh, uh, tough on yourself if you're over certain categories or another. Uh, it's bound to happen, and nobody's perfect. But uh, it's just you got to get back on the horse and, and keep going. So. Um, anything else on, on budgeting before we move off of that? Yeah, I would just add that um, I think, uh, yeah, regarding kind of when to start, I think for, you know, on, on the personal side, I think any time is good. I think, you know, most mo- most budgeting apps kind of work on a, on a monthly basis because that's, I mean, um, well, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason for it, but I think depending on your on your kind of pay cadence, whether it's, you know, um, once a month or twice a month or biweekly kind of a month can be a good kind of proxy for that. But, you know, I do recognize if you're paid every two weeks, a month is kind of an awkward thing. Um, but I'd say, you know, st- start any time. Um, and you said, yeah, give yourself a, make it easy for yourself. Don't, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, and then I guess the other one also, I mean, I guess there's Quicken. I think it's something my dad uses. Uh, to me, it just it's it screams old and and stuff. But anyway, that's also another option for folks. I think they have both kind of a installed software app and as well as a mobile app, or excuse me, as well as an online kind of version, which maybe they have a, a mobile app as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So all good things, and and good thing to really start on the cash flow front. Um, I'd like to leapfrog over to another. Uh, category, which is just assets, net worth, balance sheet, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that's a natural next step. Um, what what are some things that you think about when uh, you're tracking your net worth? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there's people of different preferences here. I I like to do things that don't require a lot of work. So again, I like I like to use products that will that will automatically kind of integrate and import with all the different financial institutions. You know, some people may not feel comfortable with that. Um, I can understand that. So some people might want to just use a spreadsheet or something like that. But for those that are kind of uh, willing to to connect their different banks and um, 
you know, investment accounts to uh, different kind of financial aggregators, such as, you know, personal capital or mint here is actually a good example. Um, I think those are really good options because um, you can just log in at any time and, you know, usually it'll kind of give you the most up-to-date information and you might have to wait a moment till it kind of refreshes and stuff, but it really makes it easy, especially if you have several investment accounts and, you know, um, especially if, if you've been working for a little while and you have a, you know, your 401k, you might have a couple 401ks, you have a Roth IRA. And especially if you, again, if you uh, sh split finances and you have two of every account, essentially, because your spouse or partner also has a Roth, an IRA and a 401k, I think you again, both it saves yourself time, but then also because it's easier, you're more likely to do it, I think. And again, make it easy, make it more likely that you're able to do it. And I think, um, so, you know, using something that will connect with all the accounts is makes it more likely that you'll, you know, check in on it from time to time. So I think that's, that's number one for me is, is being able to connect those accounts, um, and, and kind of get a real time picture of your overall net worth, essentially. Um, some of the other things that I like in some of these, some of the tools are the ability to kind of get an overall, what do you call it, like asset allocation. So it can tell you, you know, of your investment, what percentages are in stocks versus bonds, um, maybe within, even within stocks, what percentage is US versus international. Basically, kind of give you the information that you kind of need to rebalance, you know, occasionally, right? We can talk about like maybe the right frequency for that, but give you that information so that you don't have to, you know, log into every single financial institution to get that information to, and to do that. Um, and then the other one that the thing that I really like of this type of tool is something that can kind of tell you how much you've contributed in over the past month, year, whatever time frame. Because I think, as in terms of you know, we talk about on the budgeting side, the budgeting side, you're setting a goal, how much you spend. But again, like life happens and we're not perfect. And, and you know, so we don't always hit those goals. And so being able to kind of see on the flip side is on the, on the kind of the opposite of that. Essentially, if you think about you have money coming in, you have money that you that you spend on expenses, living expenses, and then presumably the rest of that is is going to some sort of savings or investment um, being able to see kind of how much you've actually contributed to your various investment accounts i think is is a great way of seeing if you're on track to reach whatever's kind of savings goal that you have yeah and that that's that's amazing capability is there a tool that you have in mind that is, allows that functionality that's that's easy yeah and um low costs yeah so we use i use personal uh, uh capital and personal capital is a free tool um they are like a um what should i call them um i guess they're like a investment advisor service as well so they they offer investment advisory services for i think maybe something like half a percent but it's totally kind of optional. And so anybody can use their software on their website to, to track their, uh, to track their accounts. And so, um, you know, they provide this service as a way to kind of, you know, try to build their kind of customer, uh, base and, and kind of upsell, upsell people on, on their, um, but investment services, but you don't need to use them. And if you don't want to, and, uh, so yeah, right on the dashboard, they have like a, a little chart that says your, your contributions to date. 
And again, I think like you'd mentioned earlier about being able to kind of uh, fix categories and budgeting apps, because sometimes not everything's perfect. That happens sometimes too, I think, with sometimes these uh, these trackers, how much you've invested. Sometimes they see a transaction, they think that you've invested it into account, but maybe you've just, maybe you haven't, maybe you just moved money or maybe you took money out of an account. So I think personal capital will allow you to kind of uh, review the actual transactions that it's using to calculate this amount. And you can actually make edits or adjustments to it to make sure that it's accurate. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if you log into any financial institution, like let's say Vanguard or Fidelity, you can find a statement that will tell you what your contributions are to date. It's almost certainly not as easy as just logging into personal capital. You have to kind of dig a little bit um, and probably have to look at download a statement for every single account or something like that. But that information is there. So, but again, like uh, I've, you know, I'm pragmatic and I realized like if I had to, you know, log into five different financial institutions each month to see how much we've contributed or something, I just I probably wouldn't do it. So, um, so yeah, personal capital does that. I, I think other ones would too, I hope. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty uh, important thing to do in terms of giving you feedback on how well you're doing, but you know, I'm not exactly sure to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's also, it's also another tool that I've been using for five or six years and it's, it's kind of satisfied me. So I haven't gone out and looked for, from, for alternatives. Gotcha. Gotcha. And there was one thing that stood out. So you mentioned that the, probably the core of their business or at least the revenue generating side of things is investment management uh, services that they uh, market to, to those who are using the platform. Um, it, have you gotten a lot of sales calls from them? Have they been pestering you because you've got all of this information that they have access to that they can kind of use to see how they might be able to help you or has it been fairly, uh, hassle for uh, harassment free. Yeah, it's not too bad. I think, you know, um, maybe the once a year I'll get a call and they'll leave a voicemail saying asking to see if they want, if you, if I want to set up time to learn more about what they offer. But, um, you know, I usually don't, don't respond and, mm -hmm. uh, they don't kick me off. So it, they're not too aggressive about it. I think, uh, I'm, you know, obviously they have a lot of customers or I guess if they can call me, call me a customer or users who, who are in this position. So, you know, um, I wouldn't let that deter you at all. I think that's, um, and I think, you know, I, uh, well, I, I have used Wealthfront for, for this kind of same type of thing, just tracking investment accounts and, um, you know, I haven't received any phone calls or, or kind of personal um, kind of communications from them. But obviously in, in the app and on the website, there's always, you know, kind of upsells to, to upsell you on kind of their investment services as well. But yeah, they also allow you to connect kind of any account and, and track your net worth in real time. And, and it stands to maybe a, an outstanding question for somebody in the audience. Uh, when you're connecting your accounts here, uh, what is the age old? If if you're not paying for it, then you're the product, or or, or you know some some along those lines where you know you're exchanging your data for somebody else's uh, you know ad revenue or or what have you. Did you have any concerns as you're linking up your accounts to any of these platforms? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Wealthfront and Personal Capital they're not ad supported, right? I mean, I think what they're offering you this service as a hope in the hopes that you will convert from a free 
kind of user into a paid user and stuff like that. So I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily selling information, but I'm not saying that they aren't. I haven't read their terms of services. Um, but I think, uh, you know, they, they have revenue streams and that's by selling investment services to, you know, their customers. And so um, really they're trying to convert you from a, just a kind of a free user into using their investment services. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think some people have concern about providing passwords, their passwords to Vanguard to these third-party services. That's, that's fair. I think that's a real concern. I think, um, you know, we are, I think many financial institutions are implementing kind of more secure methods of, of those authentication, sort of like logging with Google. So that rather than giving your password to this third party website, you essentially kind of say, okay, I have a Vanguard account and they'll actually like send you to kind of a, a Vanguard window and enter your credentials there. So you're actually logging you with the Van, your Vanguard account to Vanguard. So you're not giving your password to anybody, but Vanguard. And then Vanguard tells that, you know, that, that company like Wealthfront, hey, this is the this is like the account name that they've logged into. So I don't think Vanguard necessarily has that implementation, but um, I think more financial institutions are are offering that kind of called like a OAuth or something like that. Um, so that is a lot more secure because you're not having these third parties or essentially actually what these these vendors are using something like Yodly or or Plaid, which are um, kind of financial aggregators uh, services. Those, those are actually storing your your password and, and logging them in for you. So, uh, you know, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm not terribly concerned I don't, I don't know why maybe it's just me but uh you know to be honest I, I don't know what the liability is if, if someone goes into your account but um i think it's one of those things where again i check it often enough so i feel like confident that if uh you know if there was something amiss i, I would be aware of it um you know um so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's a really good segue into um, checking uh, often credit scores, credit reports. Uh, and then I'd love to go back to maybe projecting out in the future because a lot of what we're talking about is kind of what happened in the past. But speaking on uh, credit uh, reports and credit checkers, is there any app or, or you know functionality that you would really appreciate that, that these tools provide? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, those seem to be kind of like very separate tools, at least in my experience. Uh, I don't think like Mint, well, I don't know. Mint might offer some sort of credit check score thing. Um, I guess a lot of credit cards offer some kind of FICO or fake FICO score. So I, mean, I think generally like we should kind of talk about like what, what are the things that, yeah, what is the goal and like what is important? So, you know, like what is a credit score maybe even right a credit score is more or less a, a score that um you know one of the three finance kind of credit bureaus uh create as a as a way to communicate your credit worthiness right so your likelihood to pay back some sort of loan or, or debt or obligation right um and so it, it's important that you kind of um I wouldn't say always know what it is, but you're aware of any substantial changes to it because, you know, there are things that can happen that can severely damage your credit score 
And some of those things could, you know, could be a result of identity theft, right? Someone could be opening a credit card in your name. You didn't be aware of it. They don't pay that credit card off, obviously, if they're basically using your identity to use your credit card to buy something. And that could really impact your credit score because you opened a, a you, but you know, looks like you opened up a credit card and didn't pay pay that back. So that's going to hurt your credit score. And when you have a poor credit score, that you will um, essentially pay for that through higher interest rates later in life when you get an auto loan or a home mortgage. So, you know, high credit score is important to be able to get the best interest rates. Um, you know, and so making sure that you, um, you know are not having any kind of, uh, you know, just large changes to your credit score that you aren't expecting, I think is really important. So, um, so yeah, there's several services out there that will kind of give you alerts. I think if there are any major changes or any, if there are any new accounts that are reported to the credit bureau. So every time that you kind of take out a loan or you open a credit card, typically that will show up as an account to your credit report. And so there are services that will kind of give you a notice that um, a new account is created or, or your credit score was checked. So also anytime you apply for credit, um, that's all, that also kind of creates like called like a, an inquiry, like a, either a, a soft or hard inquiry, depending on, I think, like what that information is used for. And so, yeah, being aware of that is important because it helps you essentially prevent identity theft, number one. Um, but then it also allows you to, yeah, just be aware uh, and make sure that the, the, the accounts that are reported there are the accounts that you have. Um, so I guess some examples there that are available and free is uh, I think Credit Karma is kind of one of the the, the most more popular um, services there. Um They'll send you an email every time something kind of major happens. But again, your most credit card companies will also offer this for free. Um, and then you can also get your credit report for free, I think, at annualcreditreport.com. I think every person can get, I think, all three of their credit reports for free there. Um, so I definitely recommend people doing that periodically just to make sure that nothing is amiss. And because, again, if you see something that looks wrong that you didn't open, you know, there are ways to resolve it. It's probably not easy and it takes time, but it's it's definitely worth doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned periodically. What does periodically mean to you? Is that every week, every month, every quarter, twice a year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends on like, you know, maybe how, you know, maybe it depends on the, uh, like, the need for you to have a, a, a great credit score, right? Like uh, if you, uh, you know, if, if you're planning on applying for a mortgage in the next year or two, like credit score is really important, right? And, you know, it could take uh, several months to, to clear up any issues. Um, and so I think, yeah, if, if you're planning on applying for some credit and, and want to have a great credit score for it, I think checking more often is important, you know? And again, like I said, um, if you use some sort of service where you get a proactive kind of notification, you don't need to check anything. You just need to make sure that you're getting their emails and alerts. Um, and again, the annual credit report, um, you get it once a year. I think that's, that's a pretty good cadence. Um, I, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's free. So I think a combination of checking your actual credit report, like actually seeing all the different accounts that report there and then getting notifications anytime there's any like um, new accounts created or major changes to credit score. I think that's sufficient for most people, um, you know, for, for people that are like not planning on applying, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because I think, you know, ne- negative, um, 
there's also, I guess I should also say, there's also a risk of some other things, which is like, let's say you get a, you get a hot, you know, you go see the doctor and you get a bill from the hospital or something like that. And they got your address wrong, or you toss the, the, the bill out. You thought it was junk mail. Right. And, you know, you can have like a hundred $50 bill, like show up as unpaid on your credit report. And that can actually really hurt your credit score. And so it, it you know, there are also possible potential for you know really um, bad things to happen to your credit report and credit score without someone stealing your identity and, and stuff like that too and so that's another way that you know uh, being on t- keep staying on top of your credit report and credit score can potentially catch those things earlier you may not be able to like uh essentially r- delete them or remove them but the sooner that you can i think um resolve them i think the sooner that at least so the fall off your credit report and the sooner your credit score will recover from that yeah it's amazing tips i, I love them all uh, so so it seems like the theme here is in each one of these major areas you're going and checking uh on a semi-frequent basis uh about different accounts different expenses uh your credit score over time just to make sure that everything looks right and uh, the sooner that you you see something, whether it's an expense or a new account or or something like that, then then you could go and and uh, talk to whatever institution. Because the further away that incident is, the harder it is, I think, to uh, to get that resolved or removed. So, um, very good. Anything else on the credit score side of things before we move to looking out into the future? Yeah, then I don't know. I, I think it the whole system sucks it, it it sucks that you have to do this that you have to monitor it so closely all these companies kind of you know Experian, equifax and transunion how they're like the arbiters of this and it's 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 a strange system i don't know what better system is but um yeah it's 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 knowing that you have to do this but uh you know i think uh it, it is important because you, you have to be careful about you know what people might do with your information and uh but again you know it, it really depends on like h- how how likely and how soon you're likely to apply for credit you know if you have a, if you have a paid off house not not planning on buying a house not planning on opening a credit card you know you don't really need a credit score right credit scores but it's to help you get credit but you know um if you ever need credit like having a good credit score can make a huge difference to your interest rate it can save you you know tens of thousands or more you know on a mortgage so it is probably something that you want to that you want to keep an eye on but uh yeah other than that i think uh that's about it yeah and the old adage that uh the banks are more likely to lend to people that don't need it don't need the money so uh yeah good good habits to just uh stay Stay as high as you can in terms of the credit score and then keep a clean record. Always pay your bills. Okay. So from there, you know, that's sort of all looking in the rear view mirror. What are some tools or, or things to think about in tools that could potentially help you project out into the future? Do you have anything in mind? Yeah. Um, I think I, so we mentioned kind of wealth front and personal capital as tools that can help you kind of track your net worth as well as your asset allocation. And they both also have kind of a financial planning or retirement kind of calculator type tool. Um, 
and I'm sure there are several other tools out there that do this type of thing and probably specialize in this type of thing. And, um, you know, I encourage everyone to, to, to try them out, you know, and, and it helps you really kind of get a really, really rough idea of like, if I keep contributing this amount of money every month or every year, and I do this for X number of years and I, you know, when I, when I say contribute, right, obviously it's, uh, it's knowing whether you're going to be investing it in the stock market versus just putting in a savings account makes a big difference, but assuming you're putting it into some sort of investment account for long-term growth, it really helps you understand how much money you might have at the end of that. Cause it's not a very, it's not an intuitive calculation growth compounds and it's very hard to kind of do that in your head. And so I think I really recommend people kind of um, play around these, these tools and kind of see the relationship between, well, what if I just put in a little bit more now? And um, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable how much, you know, time really, really makes a big difference. You know, like that's probably the biggest factor in anything is, is starting investing early. And so these tools will help you kind of see that. Um, so, so yeah, I think personal capital and wealth front are two great free tools. And again, they, they, they kind of, you can, if you want kind of integrate with your current account so that you can, it'll, it'll start from where you are today. And then you can tell it, you know, how much uh, income or how much you're contributing uh, each month or each year. And then um, it'll kind of show you what assumptions that's going to make or what assumptions that you can kind of edit and it will kind of project your kind of future future net worth and stuff and i think it's incredibly powerful do a lot of these tools uh that you've you've used they they go up through retirement or do they 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 stop at are they primarily accumulation based tools where they show you if you were to accumulate this much money or continue to contribute x amount every year how much would you end up with at your retirement or did they also then go and show you, okay, if you wanted to retire and, and spend this much in retirement at this particular age, then you'd have X percentage of probability of being able to make it? That's a good question. I think um, it's kind of a mix. I think some do both and some just do, yeah, one or, I mean, yeah, I think there's got two parts of things, right? One is like projecting how much money you'll have while you're making contributions and then there are are tools to help you you know understand um how likely you are to have money at the very end essentially starting from a certain lump sum amount and subtracting a certain amount every you know to pay for your living expenses so i'd say there are both kind of tools that help project accumulation and then help tools that help kind of project I don't know, I guess we call it like withdrawing and I guess decumulation. Um, and there are some tools that I guess will do a little bit of both. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, like per- personal capital again, definitely does. I wouldn't say does both, but it does it kind of all together. Basically you'd be basically put in, you know, um, what 
you anticipate your income or, or savings to be every year, and then at what age you'll stop working and what your expenses will be at that time. So like how much you intend to withdraw and it'll essentially kind of give you a, a kind of a, a percentage probability that, that this plan is going to be successful and successful, I think is defined as having more than $0 when you kind of reach the average kind of uh, life expectancy or, or maybe it's 95 years, probably in the higher end depends on whatever assumptions it says so there are definitely tools that do both um you know i would say um yeah there are benefits i think to doing them kind of separately you can kind of find tools that specialize in one or the other i think for uh you know retirement projections i think there's a lot of really interesting tools out there so um I think kind of doing that separately from the accumulation, I think, you know, for people that are willing to kind of understand the numbers a little bit more, that's definitely what I would recommend. I would say for people just kind of just starting out, you know, try something like personal capital um, and kind of giving a rough idea. Got it. And do these tools exclusively uh, focus on retirement or could you build in other types of goals like buying a house or maybe taking a bigger vacation or taking a sabbatical? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, both Wealthfront and Personal Capital do offer those types of like any income or expense event. I think that's really important, right? Because, you know, people's financial lives are not super simple and perfect. They're not just saving the same amount of money every year and then just withdrawing. Like there are very lumpy kind of income events, but often expenses, right? Probably more often, right? Like people are, are saving for you know, a wedding or a down payment for a house or sending their child to, you know, school or college. Like those are very kind of, um, you know, lumpy expenses can be very high amount for a very short amount of time. So I think, yeah, you should definitely look for a tool that that definitely offers those things. Because if you can't if you can't do that, then it's it's just not very relevant. So yeah, like personal capital, you can say you know it, you know in year twenty twenty five, I'm gonna have to pay you know twenty thousand dollars a year for four years of college or something like that. And you can just put that in and it'll just update the probability. And you can say next year I'm gonna have more income than usual or, you know, or I'm gonna inherit a certain amount of money or something like that. So you can kind of add these discrete kind of income or expense events. They could be a one time or they could be for, you know, multiple years, something like that. Um, so yeah, that's definitely very important. And so would you consider the this particular step of looking forward to be more of once you have your your foundation of understanding what it costs to live each month, understanding you know all of your, where all of your accounts are at and and all of uh, you know the rough balances there, and of course just keeping track of your credit over time. Would you do those things first before you get into the retirement, or is there does it need to be in a specific order? I don't know if it needs to be in a specific order, really. I think, um, I think ultimately they all kind of inform each other. It's sort of like an iterative thing, right? Like, um, you could, you know, you can start. Yeah, I think I would say do whatever area kind of interests you first, or or you know, like I think. Um, I think, you know, projecting your future net worth and ability to retire on your current circumstances is really helpful because it helps to, you know, help you to understand, is my current situation going to get me to where I want to be 
in the time frame that I want to be, right? And if not, well, okay, then I need to make changes to my current situation. I need to either earn more or spend less, right? Or, um, but you know, uh, if the other way, if you just you know put the information that you are doing today and you put that in the tool and you're you're like roughly okay with like the retirement date that it tells you or the probability of success then then you're fine so i think they, they they're all related right like you know the, the more income you have the more the more savings you have the less expenses you 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 have or less you spend the more savings you have and the, the more you save the the more your net worth will grow faster essentially and, and the earlier you can retire or, or just you know stop working or work part-time so it's all related so i think um yeah i don't think there's any specific order that i that i would recommend necessarily i think just do whatever um kind of feels feels right or just just again just start somewhere to start with the thing that you feel seems easiest and less daunting to you but um yeah i think projecting the future is probably a little bit um maybe a little bit easier than than budgeting i think you you can get a, you can you can feel a lot more value in just you know in one day you can like connect some accounts you can make some assumptions that you can kind of get a lot of like information just in a very short period of time uh the budgeting thing you know takes some time a few months to kind of get in the habit and to actually see how much you're spending and stuff like that so i think you can you can kind of uh maybe get a little bit more value sooner based on just on the kind of future kind of projections and stuff but budgeting is important too it just takes a little bit more time and discipline yeah this is amazing yeah i really appreciate the overview this is a good landscape of all of the different tools that could help you in your financial journey wherever you are and uh, like you said just start start wherever just to get that uh, uh momentum building and uh, uh build from there so um Anything else, just any, any last words is, is just sort of a final recap here of all of the different elements that we spoke about. Um, I mean, there are a lot of tools out there. Um, you know, I think we're in a, like, we're in a time where it's like the access and availability of technology is, is just incredible. And so, um, I would just recommend people just try things out, you know, talk to their friends and family, the things that they've tried, um, you know, look at the app store and so many things are available for free to start. Um, but like you said, you know, maybe, under, maybe try to understand wh how and why they're free. What is, how, how are they, you know, uh, how are they ultimately kind of, what's their business model? But, um, yeah, I think just, try things um experiment with things uh most things don't cost much money if anything at all at least to start um and i think using using anything is better than nothing i truly believe for, for all of these for all of these things well said well said so let us know what your thoughts are. Is there a specific app or tool that you can't live without? Uh, is Do you have a counter argument to one of the things that we talked about in this uh, podcast or this specific episode? Uh, feel free to, to give us some feedback at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. That's feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks so much for your time, Lauren. Uh, and thank you as well to the listeners out there. Um, looking forward to our next episode and uh stay tuned yeah, see you everybody thank you. thank you talk to you later
We're a new podcast, and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks, and see you next time.